I will periodically go look. There's like six or seven different channels I like to look at that have nothing to do with aviation that I just think do a good job of creating um, uh, curiosity with their title and thumbnail combinations that give me ideas of like, oh, what's an aviation version of that that I could do? Welcome to the Boss Club Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow your business faster, more profitably, and with fewer mistakes. And now your hosts, David Grubbs and Charlie Gassmeyer. Welcome back to the Boss Club Podcast. I'm David Grubbs, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Charlie Gassmeyer. Today, we're going to talk about part two of our YouTube series, and we're going to talk about actually driving traffic uh, within YouTube and actually growing the YouTube channel. So in the first episode in part one, we, we really focused on actually coming up with the content that we want to create for the channel, what topics we want to talk about, how to create thumbnails and uh, titles for our videos, how to make engaging videos that people actually want to watch over and over, or at least continue watching other videos within our channel. And uh, today, once you kind of have that foundation, we want to talk about how do you grow the channel from there? Um, so, you know, you're posting some videos. How do you actually get views, get subscribers and get those key metrics that really kind of take the channel to the next level? So, Charlie, I'm just going to open it up because I know you have some pretty amazing uh, and unique experience doing this. Uh, how did you grow your channel, Airplane Academy? And what were the kind of the sources of growth? Yeah, well, the first thing you need to know about um, content or uh, getting traffic to your content on YouTube is that... Um, 80% of all of YouTube's views come from YouTube suggesting its content to its, its members and its, its viewers. Only 20% of the overall views that come on YouTube come from search. So someone actually searching for something. Um, and so what this means is that usually people will come to YouTube, they'll, they might search for something. Um, but then the, the next four views that they have on the platform are just going to be things that YouTube recommended to them. And so you really have to think about content, not necessarily that people would search for, although doing stuff that people will search for is fine. Like, Hey, how do I change the carburetor on XYZ or whatever? People will search for that. But the, the more powerful, um, traffic source that you can tap into is thinking about what type of content that I can, could I make that people might not know to search for, but would be interested in it if it were recommended to them. And that, that's the way you have to think about, uh, about YouTube. And so in the early days, um, I kind of started with a strategy of, of making things that people would search for because I didn't have an audience yet. The algorithm didn't really have much data on who to kind of push my videos to. And so I started out just answering questions about aviation, about becoming a pilot. Um, and I, I remember the first one that ever got like consistent traffic had to do with, uh, why cumulonimbus clouds are dangerous. Like, really, really, really niche topic, but people were searching for that. So I was getting like thousands of views a month just on this cloud topic. Uh, but eventually like that combined with some other videos started to give me enough base. And then really by luck, I happened to, to publish my biggest video right now on the channel. Um, it's back before I feel like I got a lot better at making YouTube videos. It's still a little embarrassing, but I, pu I, I published one that kind of going back to people aren't going to know to search for this, but they'd be interested in it if it were recommended to them. I did a video on six things that shocked me about buying an airplane. And I had a great thumbnail on it that alluded to a, a part of the video that really surprised me about airplane ownership. And like four days into publishing that video, it just went bananas. I mean, it was getting like 2000 views an hour. And whereas I would get like 
three subscribers a day or something at that time. I remember vividly like midnight just watching the subscriber count like every few seconds would go up by one or go up by two. Like it was just, it was really getting some spread. And so the reason I share that is to say um, that the majority of your views, if you can really tap into the algorithm, the majority of your views come from YouTube actually suggesting your content to its viewers. I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I guess in a follow-up question, is do you have any strategies or anything that you do to think about how to create videos, especially you know titles and thumbnails that would get recommended? So I think search makes intuitive sense to me. Um, you know, you think about things that I would go search for on YouTube to you know how tos or you know things like that. That's that's pretty obvious. It, and you can even start typing searches into YouTube and see what people are searching for. So that that makes sense. But what's a little harder for me to understand is what gets suggested. So any recommendations on how to figure that one out? Yeah, I've got two things come to mind. One is that um, this kind of borrows from our last episode is I think you really need to try to find examples of other channels that that have kind of done what you're wanting to do. Because, um, you know, YouTube kind of the way I like to think about it, it's kind of got these silos of people. It's got these different audiences that they know these types of people kind of like this type of content based on their interests and search history and stuff. And if you're over here trying to talk about something that YouTube doesn't have data on, like, I don't know who would be interested in chocolate covered kites or something. I don't know, like make up something that like clearly doesn't have an audience. Well, YouTube, like that might be interesting, but YouTube is not going to know who to recommend that to because there's nobody else watching that type of content. Um, And so you really have to try to put your type of content into something that's already kind of established. And that's where you, or or else it's just going to be an uphill battle the whole way because you're having to really just do stuff that the people happen to search for. And if they don't know to search for chocolate covered kites, like they're never going to find you. So (laughs) kind of an odd example, but hopefully it illustrates the point. So one, as far as thinking of like what type of content would people actually watch, like you kind of got to see what's working for, for, uh, for other people. But then also I think you can get really good ideas about how to create clever title thumbnail combinations from other channels, not in your niche. And so like, I will periodically go look, there's like six or seven different channels I like to look at that have nothing to do with aviation that I just think do a good job of creating, um, uh, curiosity with their title and thumbnail combinations that give me ideas of like, oh, what's an aviation version of that that I could do? Um, and, and so you can learn like just I, I don't watch a lot of uh, YouTube content, but I do look at a lot of title and thumbnails because arguably that's the most important part of your channel because if nobody clicks on it, uh, they're never going to watch your video. Not, like nothing happens until someone clicks on your video. So that has to be where you spend most of your time. So that, that's point number one. And then point number two would be, and I've gotten better at this over time, is thinking about, um, you have to try to think about what's the, what's the curious way that you could, you could present your topic. And so like, I'll give you an example, a video that I'm, that I'm planning on putting out in a few weeks. Uh, there, I'm reading through this like 500 page book on, on aviation maintenance. Okay. Like something I'm trying to get better at. And like the boring way to present a video talking about my synopsis would be like, here's my book review of Mike Bush engines. Like, Nobody, like some people click on that, but super boring. Like if you think about all the other options that someone's going to have to click on of like really exciting stuff, and then they have Charlie's book review of a 500 page book on engines, like nobody's going to click that. 
But the way that I'm planning on um, on presenting it is instead like the common theme of the things that I want to pull out in this video are things they didn't teach me in flight school about airplane ownership that I'm now learning through this book. And so that's a way more intriguing way and much more broadly applicable way to present that topic. Same exact content, same exact structure presented in a much different way. And so it'll be something to the effect of like, you know, um, f- flight school, you know, doesn't. Like what, what flight school isn't teaching you about owning an airplane? And then actually, if you can wrap it around something that has even higher stakes than that, like there's something on the line. If I don't know what this is, like, you know, why, why airplane owners spend five X the amount they should, uh, you know, because of flight schools don't teach them this. Like there's a shorter way to present that, but you get the idea. It's like, because then people are watching that thinking, or or they see that option. It's like, oh man, like I'm, you know, I need to avoid that. Like, I want to avoid that pain also. Let's see what's in, what's in this video. And I'm just going to be explaining them. Here are the five things that I, that I learned from this book, but I'm not presenting it as here's my book review. Does that kind of make sense? And that, that's a muscle that you build over time when you start thinking, ooh, that's a good idea for video. And then you really have to play around with different thumbnail and title ideas to where you think anyone would ever click on in the first place. No, no, I think that makes sense. And I, I think, you know, you're going to have to be able to talk about the hook in an engaging way. It's it's sales, right? At the end of the day, you could you could sell sell a book review or sell something that's going to save someone a ton of money, and one's certainly more engaging than the other. Something else that kind of came to mind as we're talking about this is, you know, you come up with a channel and you're expected to launch, you know, fifty, a hundred videos before you 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 might see traction over the course of you know a year or two years. Um, I'm just thinking about some ideas of YouTube channels I would consider launching if I uh, had time. And, you know, after 100 videos, that's a lot of videos on a particular topic. So with that said, you know, how much leeway or how much room do you have to kind of go a little off topic or, or how tight do you have to stay with the topic that you have? So Airplane Academy obviously talks about uh, airplanes and the nature of owning aircraft and flying aircraft and training and getting better at flying. But, you know, in your experience, um, how much leeway can can you have in going off topic? I mean, you've, you're talking about weather, you're talking about engine maintenance on aircraft. Obviously, that's somewhat related. But you know, do you have to be completely on topic every time, or can you go go off topic? Yeah, it's a really great question. You just have to experiment with it to kind of figure out what your boundaries are. Like, for example, I put a video out a while ago talking about like what I'm learning from a time management perspective um, as a pilot. Uh, to, to fly more. And it's a, it's a common problem. I hear so much of my audience saying like, man, it's just hard. It's hard to make time for aviation. And I've really been working on my own time management and it's really freed up a lot of time to fly. And so I wanted to share that with people that, I mean, it's still got like 10,000 views, but, um, but compared to other, you know, it got less than half the normal views, uh, I, I would expect to get on weekly videos and things. So you could tell, okay, that, that started to be a little bit more on the fringe of what my audience is interested in or what YouTube thinks my audience is interested in and, and what they would click on. And so as you put more things out there, you're going to realize like how, how tightly aligned do I need to make this or, or, or can I kind of have broad appeal? Um, you can kind of accidentally pigeonhole yourself a little bit uh, if you're not careful to, to just being the guy that talks about weather or whatever. And it's not that like you couldn't be successful talking about other things, but once once 
you know, YouTube knows these are the types of people that like your channel. Um, and these are all the people that like whether you start talking about something different, like you just got to be a little bit careful. And so you do have to think ahead of time. Um, as I'm starting my channel, am I kind of making the, the different pillars uh, of my business here things that I'm willing to talk about for a long period of time? Because uh, you might end up getting kind of stuck to those so much so that if you really want to do something completely different, you might even have to start a separate channel that just talks about that. It's like, and then you'd have to let your audience know, hey, some of you want to know more about this. So I'm starting this other channel. And then that gets complicated because you're running two channels. So um, the short version of that is you just got to, you got to, you got to test it. You'll, you'll start to see from the data uh, what seems to be inbounds, what's out of bounds. That makes sense. And it's good that you can uh, have some leeway in trying it uh, and you're not going to get, you know, in trouble with YouTube. So if, if you try a video that's a little off topic and it just doesn't perform well, that that's okay. You can, you can go back on topic and it's not going to ruin anything. So I, I guess... And, and s- and some of the things like you might intentionally, like sometimes I've put out videos that I that I know aren't going to get as many views, but it's really important to me that I send that message out. Now, you don't want to be like completely in left field here that, you know, you're like you're just talking about some topic just because it's important to you. Like I would I would hesitate to do that. But like time management, for example, the reason I wanted to put that video out is because I do know for thousands of people in my audience, like that's really going to help them, I think, and really going to, it could change their life a little bit. Um, not because I'm so smart, but just because like the strat, it, it really could help them. And so I'm willing to have some of those videos that connect with people and, and have people like my channel more and find more value out of it, even though it's not a video that's going to be spread to a million people because it's not a topic that a million people are even interested in. And so it seems like you got to kind of have some of these videos that some of them are made to be really spreadable because it's broad appeal and it's meant to go get you new audience members. And then there's some you know, that are, that are really just trying to build the depth of the relationship you have with the audience and really show stuff that's more personal to you. And you're really building that connection. And then some of them might be designed to, you know, produce a sale or to get them over to your website and things. And so there has to be a mix. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's, it's always just one, one piece of that strategy. I think you have to have a mix and know that some of your videos, because, because of the plan, like I just mentioned, might not actually get as many views. And you just have to encourage yourself being like, ah, oh, this video and doing as well this week. Well, yeah, but you, it, maybe, maybe there's a purpose behind that. I think this is all starting to make sense. And, and part of this is, you know, with everything we're talking about, we're trying to make really good engaging videos and we're trying to get our metrics up on YouTube. And so being on topic helps with that, having good thumbnails and title and all these things we're talking about helps you have really good metrics on YouTube. My follow-up to this though is at the end of the day, most of us start YouTube channels in order to make money in some way. And so you're either trying to drive um, really warm leads or traffic over to your website to convince people to buy a product or service from you, or you're trying to grow a presence so that you can, you know, you're trying to sell something. Um, It's usually not just to make ad revenue on YouTube. And so do you have any advice there on on ways you can do that, how you link uh, from YouTube over to a website, for example, um, ways not to do that uh, to avoid that might you know hurt you in the long term? So, yeah, maybe you can just talk to to how do you monetize this and how do you bring that traffic over to something that that drives revenue for you? Definitely. Well, the strategy that I've had the most success with and I've I've heard others have success with success with as well is kind of a, a wagon wheel strategy. So we're we're along 
ways away from uh, from when wagons were in use. But if you picture a wagon wheel, it's got kind of the hub in the middle, and then it's got a bunch of spokes going out to the main wheel. I, I assume it's called the wheel of the wagon, but the outside of the wagon, right? And if you think about your video strategy like this, it, it's that you could have different kind of hubs um, that that could be your sales pitch, or it could be a you know a really great part of your product or reason to buy from you that the call to action in that video is to go over to your website. But you don't have every single video be like that because YouTube, for a lot of reasons, it's just not going to be successful with your audience and it's not going to be successful in the eyes of the algorithm if every single one of your videos you're asking them to buy something and you're also asking them to leave YouTube, which YouTube doesn't want. And so what seems to work really, really well and it's worked well for me is to have those hub videos that could be sending people to your website or, or at least inviting people to come to your website to make a purchase or, you know, uh, get your lead magnet or whatever. But then you have a lot of other videos. It could be five, it could be 10 or whatever that have kind of tangentially related things around that, that the end of that video has a really natural call to action to go watch that hub video. Um, and so if you can have a bunch of those, YouTube will, will typically end up promoting all of those kind of, um, kind of the, the spoke videos, so to speak, because they, they know that, hey, a high percentage of people who watch these videos tend to then go watch another video, which is your hub video. And they care less that, okay, well, yeah, they might leave YouTube at that point, but at least we know that they watched one, two, or three videos before they ever got to that point. So we're happy, the user's happy. And the other beautiful part of that is that the person watching the video is getting warmed up the whole way. They're watching you, they're getting to know you, they're building a connection with you. And so by the time you ask them to like, hey, go check out my website or Hey, I like all this pro this problems that I've been talking about, like our product actually solves that problem. And so I'd love for you to check it out here. You know, here's the lead magnet or your coupon code or whatever. So you're warming them up and you're playing into the algorithm, trying to make sure they're watching several videos before they ever leave YouTube. So it's a really great strategy. So I try to have these different hubs that are, that are all around different topics that have a good call to action. It could be for affiliate product, could be for your own product, could be, could be just like the, the call to action in your hub video might just be to subscribe to your channel and that would be successful too. And then you figure out a bunch of feeder videos that all point to those different hub videos. So does that kind of answer your question? That's the strategy I've been working with lately. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it sounds, at least before we started filming this, it sounds like there's a lot more forethought and planning required to to put these videos uh, in place before you ever even turn on a camera. And so it sounds like not only are you planning out your titles and thumbnails, but you're also planning out how videos relate to one another. So I, this is a totally unscripted question, but you know, how many videos are you planning in advance before you start filming these things? Yeah, it, it can get really, um, uh, there's a lot of planning involved. And, and I don't want to make it sound so intimidating that it's like, oh man, well, I shouldn't even start if I need to plan that many things ahead of time. Like I didn't start that way. I've kind of been graduating into that being the strategy, but the 5 million views we've gotten and the 70,000 subscribers, the vast majority of that was built without doing anything that I'm talking about now. But where I'm trying to take things to the next level is with the things that, that I'm talking about here. Um, and so, uh, what was your question again, Dave? I'm sorry. I'm getting, out, getting off in my, in my own head here a little bit. No, I, I think the core of the question is how how much in advance are you having to plan these videos? Oh, yeah. Not not only titles and thumbnails and topics you want to talk about, but maybe being strategic about how those videos link to one another in this whole kind of hub and spoke model. So, are you planning out you know three videos at a time? Are you planning out thirty or you know the all the videos for the entire year? You know January first. Mm -hmm. You know how how does that work? And and what's kind of your your cycle and thought process as you're going through this? Yeah. Th thank you for that. Yeah. So I've got a notes file that I've got 
uh, like five different kind of hub and spoke things or say, here's the hub video and here are all the spokes. It's kind of a chicken egg problem, right? Like if you make the hub video first, well, then you got to like, that's probably the way you want to start is make the hub video. And then you make all the other ones that are pointing to that, because if that video didn't exist and you're pointing it to nothing. <laughs> um, and so you do have to plan that out ahead of time. Um, and so, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of videos planned out and stuff. Um, so part of my content creation strategy is like, okay, here are the things that I know I want to make uh, later in the year. Um, but I try not to also do one complete hub and spoke all at the same time. Because then if like the hub and spoke is just about getting your instrument rating and flying, like you could end up burning out your audience just talking about the one topic and and lose a lot of momentum on, on YouTube. Um, and and that could be a little hard to come back from. Um, and so I, I kind of try to put some hubs out there and then kind of alternate which which videos I'm putting that are all feeders to that. So it takes a little longer, but over the course of six months, it's like, okay, I can build out these five hub and spokes, but it's going to take me six months to do it. But I can kind of, kind of, you know, jump and skip around a little bit. But then I also leave room, like, if I get a really good title thumbnail combination that I think of, like, okay, well, let's, let's push back the other stuff and let's do that next week. Um, because it's something I want to run with. So you can be as thoughtful about it as you want. Um, I'm, I'm somewhere in between where I have an idea of where I'm going, but. Um, I'm trying to be opportunistic at the same time. That makes sense. Kind of wrapping up here um, with this episode on on traffic. I, I had one final question. What, let's say I've planned out my first five or ten videos. I've I've got the first one launched, uh, and and I just published it to YouTube. Um, what are the ways to get your first ten, maybe a hundred subscribers? Um, should I send that out to friends and family? Should I send it out to my schoolmates? Should I, you know? what are ways to grow the channel initially and what are some things to avoid just so you don't mess up your channel too? Good question. Uh, two, two thoughts come to mind. First of all, when you do is a really good point that you're bringing up. Um, when you do post your first video, I would suggest posting like three or four all at the same time, because if someone ends up discovering your video and they love it, and then they go to your channel to watch what, what other videos you have, you don't have anymore. They've already watched hundred percent of your content, um, which, which could hold you back a little bit. So I'd, I'd batch like a handful together and then start posting regularly uh, thereafter. And then in terms of, of getting your first, um, your first viewers, I would fight the urge to just tell all your friends and family and your aunt and your grandma about it and say, go, go subscribe to my channel because more than likely all those people have like nothing in common. And so what you're doing more than anything is just confusing the algorithm. Like, okay, you're posting about how to make the best cheesecakes or whatever. And you've got all these people that are like into car maintenance and flying and like beehiving and like whatever. And it's like, okay, well this channel makes no, like you got to give YouTube some, some targeted data to work with where like you might only have five followers, but if all five of those followers are like perfectly center of bullseye for you, like that's way better than having 50 followers that, that are just confused. You know what I mean? And so I would, I would not ask all your friends and family. I wouldn't even tell, like, tell them like, Hey, I'm watching this, but you might ask them like, Hey, unless you're like watching other videos that are similarly related, like don't subscribe to my channel yet. And then, um, I'd go post it somewhere like in, in, uh, Facebook groups or Reddit is sometimes, uh, a little harsh. Like the, it just can kind of be spammy sometimes, but that's where I got my initial growth is. But I, but I posted those videos asking for feedback and saying, Hey, I'm new to this. These are my thoughts. Can you give me any feedback? Like try to make it where it's not just a blatant promotion and stuff. And you might get some followers, get some traction. You just try to got to like get it out there. But if you also 
do your first videos that are also like searchable, it is something that someone might search for, then you just got to wait. Like it, it might take a little while, but over the course of time, YouTube's great in that every little seed you're planting and every video you do, like it, it's something that can have dividends for the lifetime of your channel. It'll go up and it'll go down, but it's not like the first week or the first month of that video's life is all the traffic you're ever going to get. Like it, it, it'll get traffic for the rest of that video's life, which is pretty cool. So once you post it, those are some things I would think about, but then you just got to be patient. So have some patience and don't confuse YouTube. Uh, I think that makes sense. Um, well, Charlie, I really appreciate all your thoughts here. Um, and it's, it's been really, really valuable. So, um, I think, you know, this is part two on traffic. Next week, we're going to talk about monetization. So once you've got all this stood up, you start, um, actually, you know, posting your videos, you're starting to see some growth. How do you actually start making money with it? And, and so we're excited about next week's episode. In the meantime, if you've got any stories or feedback, or if you've got questions for us, you can reach out to us at podcast.bossclub.com. And we'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, we hope you have a great week. We'll see you on next week's episode. <laughs>